Welcome to the Farm Talks podcast, an audio edition of Farm Talk newspaper, your four-state ag news source. Farm Talk News has proudly been serving the four-state area with quality ag content since 1974. Listen in for 100% agriculture, 100% of the time. Tune in today with your host. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 4, as we enter the new year on the Farm Talks podcast. I'm your host, Emily Zeronis, the Associate Editor of Farm Talk News. Now, if you're new to our channel, make sure to click the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Farm Talks podcast prides itself on bringing you content from a different segment of agriculture each month to talk about the challenges and strategies that our listeners care about. 2024 is the year of the Farm Bill, and we are excited to talk about what that means for producers. A hot topic is foreign land ownership. We've invited ag economist Robin Reed from Kansas State University to chat about land values and how out-of-state foreign and domestic holdings are impacting Kansas farm families. Thanks for joining me on the show today, Robin. Thank you for having me. Of course. So today I'd like to talk a little bit about foreign land ownership. So I would love for you to give me a little bit of an overview of this issue and what is going on nationally and what is Kansas doing as a response? So as you can imagine, this has been a hot button issue, not even the last 12 months, but before that. Really what's made national attention is the situation in North Dakota where there was a Chinese company purchase of land near an Air Force base in North Dakota there. And it was to build a corn milling facility, but really raised some red flags just in the proximity to that Air Force base and really raised a lot of questions of should we be allowing for purchasing of farm ground for any kind of purpose. A similar situation happened also in Texas where a large amount of land was bought by a Chinese individual for wind energy development, but again in a very close proximity to an Air Force base in the state of Texas. So both of these really created what I would say would be a scramble at the state level to put laws in place limiting foreign ownership of agricultural land. To give you an example, some states have already enacted some of those laws. Arkansas being one of them just announced a few months ago that Syngenta, which used to be a Switzerland-based company that was purchased by China, would have two years to sell its 160 acres of research plots in the state of Arkansas just because that is uh, considered foreign ownership in their state. What I would say on the Kansas level and the Kansas response, obviously there's been a lot of talk and some bills that have been proposed to limit ownership in the state of Kansas. And most of these states, what they're talking about limiting are foreign adversarial countries. So namely that would be China, that would be Russia, that'd be Iraq, uh, North Korea, and some other ones, but really limiting to those adversarial countries. Other states have gone so far as to really limiting foreign ownership, period. And so that is something that has been on the table, too, here in Kansas. But as of now, none of those bills have been pushed forward to a vote at this point. Okay. So here on an agricultural level in Kansas, in regards to foreign ownership, is this an issue that affects our state farmers? And if so, how is it affecting them? 
Well, I have done a lot of research on this issue over the past year. Really what it stemmed from, I do a lot of presentation on just land values, where are agricultural land values going here in the state of Kansas. And as I was going around the state doing a lot of these talks, this topic always came up as to who owns our Kansas farm ground, where do those owners live, you know, here in Kansas or around the United States or overseas, and really spurred my research to look at this issue. But what I would say, you know, having foreign owners be able to purchase ag land is kind of a double-edged sword. You know, for one, what I would say is I can show fairly well with research that farm land prices are still very much driven by profitability in agriculture. Just a recent example of that, the last run-up in land values started at the end of 2020 when commodity prices increased. We had a large amount of government CFAP payments, coronavirus food assistance payments, and land values have really taken off ever since then. The last couple of years in Kansas, we have seen very large year-over-year increases in land value that is starting to cool off a little bit, but we're still seeing an increase. But I highlighted that to say we also, by having different investors buying agricultural land, the other side of the sword is that it provides a buyer when there isn't as much profitability in agriculture. And an example to point to there. Between 2014 and 2015, we saw net farm income here in Kansas fall to levels that were fairly unprecedented and really kind of mirroring back to the 1980s when profitability fell out of the agricultural sector. We were concerned back in 2015 that we might see falling land values. And for any farmer, you know, it it might sound inviting that you can buy land at a lower price, but no falling land value has really benefited farmers. It really hurts their balance sheets, getting a loan, things like that. Nobody wants to see falling land values in agriculture. So again, going back to 2015, I think what helped us then that we didn't have back in the 1980s is other buyers were willing to step in and purchase agricultural ground that we're not necessarily getting all of their income from a farm. Well, how interesting. And so in Kansas, what percentage of that farmland is considered foreign-owned? Really, how I researched this topic, we're going to get into what we call a FIDA later, and that is the bill that requires foreign holdings of agricultural land to be reported to the Farm Service Agency. But this is the information I use to really dissect what's going on here in Kansas. And when we look at this information, the important thing to differentiate is this report looks at foreign holdings. Now, what they define as holdings is anything that is ownership or a long-term lease, and that's defined as over 10 years. So when I first studied this national report, What I found here in Kansas is that out of the roughly 49 million acres of ag land privately held here in Kansas, about 1.2 million acres, or 2.5% or so, of those acres were considered foreign held here in Kansas. Now, that seemed like a fairly large number, but what was alarming to me is when I looked at the county numbers, all of this is reported down to the county level, and we had a county here in Kansas 
that was showing over a third of their privately held acres as foreign held. That really raised some red flags as to what is going on with this report. And the more I dove into it, we did a Freedom of Information Act request to get the actual data behind the report. And there's a full write-up of this information. But basically what's happening in the state of Kansas is the wind energy industry is very prolific the last 10, even 15 years. So anytime a wind energy company is acquiring a lease, which it obviously is longer than 10 years, it is reporting through a FIDA. And as I kind of dissected and pulled apart what is actual ownership and what is wind energy holdings for wind turbine production, it actually came out that we have only 67,000 acres of actual ownership across the state. So 67,000 compared to 1.2 million is a big difference. So really that comes down to less than a quarter of 1% of our privately held land in Kansas is actually foreign owned. Most of it is just our long-term wind energy leases across the state. I see. And so the foreign ownership, a lot of that is the wind energy, but I think a lot of us only think about foreign ownership and non-American companies. But here in Kansas, as Kansans, we're also having land investments from out of state. So I would love for you to talk a little bit about that and for us to know if does that have the same economic impact as foreign holdings and is it something to be concerned about? Yeah, that is a great question, Emily. And I should clarify when I'm talking about all these wind energy companies reporting as foreign holdings, AFIDA, the act that is requiring the reporting, for a company to report, it could be a U.S. company that does have foreign shareholders. So for an example, if we have a wind energy company that's building turbines here in Kansas, it's a U.S. company, but they have a shareholder that owns more than 10% of the company, they would actually have to report all of their acres as foreign held. So that's another kind of tricky part of this puzzle is just dissecting, you know, what truly is foreign held, foreign owned, you know, how is the U.S. companies versus foreign companies part of that. But the other thing I'll say to the question that you posed here is really the question of how is foreign ownership affecting land values. We can say the same thing about how are absentee landowners defined as landowners that don't live here in the state of Kansas affecting land values. And let's just think domestically for a little bit in that we have a lot of farm ownership that's transitioning. As the baby booming generation came back to the farm, they are now in the retirement phase. So there's a lot of farmland that is just naturally changing hands through inheritance. And a lot of those farm kids didn't come back to the farm. So when I'm doing research here in Kansas, I can actually quantify that we have more land being owned by people not living here in Kansas anymore, but living in other areas across the United States. The other reason for that here in Kansas is just the interest lately on hunting land. So we have a lot of purchasing just from ownership out of the state to come here and hunt in Kansas. 
as I was looking at how our ownership has changed over the last several years, one eye-opening statistic is that out of all of our land here in Kansas, about 84.5% of it is owned by people living in Kansas. And you would expect maybe some of our bordering states to be next on the list. But actually, Texas landowners, so landowners living in Texas, own about 1.2 million acres of our Kansas farm and ranch ground, or about 2.6% of all of our ag acres. So really, the more influential purchasers on our land here in Kansas are here domestically, but they are just happen to be in Texas. So I would say both of these things are affecting our land values, just out-of-state purchasing, inheritance, along with the foreign ownership issue. So does that take Kansas land values higher than other parts in the Midwest? Really, there's two ways of looking at that. You know, we don't necessarily have higher prices here in Kansas. We tend to have less production on our crop ground and, you know, be able to put less cattle out on the grass as some of the other states in the Midwest. Uh, We like to refer them as the I states, Iowa, Illinois, that kind of area. You know, that's where you're really seeing the eight, nine, ten thousand an acre ground. Here in Kansas, National Ag Statistics Service had us at $3,440 per acre on average for our crop ground this year. But what's interesting about that is to look at how much that has grown compared to other states. So that was a 16.6% increase over our value they reported last year. And that was a 25% increase over the value they reported the year prior to that. So even though our land values are much lower than other states in the Midwest, Kansas has been increasing at a lot faster rate than some of the more high value states. And this really holds for our pasture values as well. The National Ag Statistics Service in 2023 has our pasture value at an average of $2,150 per acre for the entire state of Kansas. And again, this was a 16.2% increase over the previous year. Other than the state of Nebraska to our north, no other state near us saw anywhere close to an increase of that amount. So again, I think that goes back to some of the hunting pressure and purchasing that's going on here in the state of Kansas. But also just, I think because of our lower land values, we're kind of a place that's being looked at for agricultural investment right now. So do you think those trends of hunting ground being purchased, do you think that that will continue to increase going forward? That's a great question. And, you know, obviously nobody has the crystal ball, but I think some of that is tied to the general economy. You know, as we have more money to spend on recreational activities in the general economy, that would lead to more spending on hunting ground here in Kansas. You know, it also is tied to what's going on in the cropland value, because if cropland is starting to flatten because of commodity prices being lower than they have been in the last few years, that will kind of affect pasture values as well, bringing them, I don't want to say down, but increasing at a slower rate than we've seen historically. And I think that's probably what is needed. There's nothing sustainable about 25% or even 16% increase in land value year over year. It's just too high. 
So I'd like to move forward and talk a little bit more on the data side. Earlier in our conversation, you talked about the acronym AFIDA, and so I would love for you to tell our listeners about what that stands for, what it does, and how it's incorporated into the Farm Bill. Yeah, so the AFIDA Act, Agricultural Foreign Investment Disclosure Act, was made in 1978. That date is key because, as you heard me talk about earlier, all of our wind energy infrastructure is being captured under this Foreign Agricultural Disclosure Act. Back in 1978, nobody thought of wind energy. So oil leases are excluded from this reporting act, but currently wind energy is not. So it is really being scrutinized here lately and needing to be updated just to get with the current times and get a better handle on what actual ownership is going on across the United States. So to just kind of give you an overview of what this act is, so it's a form that someone that acquires an interest in agricultural land is required to fill out and turn into the Farm Service Agency in their state. Every year, this report is made of all of these filings, and then you can see at a national level, down to a county level, the amount of acres that are foreign held and the countries that those listed, those acres are listed under. So for example, here in Kansas, as I talked about, I separated out the wind energy leases and these would be actual ownership holdings here in Kansas. The number one country on our list is Germany. So we have about 14,500 acres here in the state of Kansas that are listed under individuals from Germany. And then we have Netherlands and Canada and Kuwait, Saudi Arabia, Ireland, Mexico. You know, the list kind of goes down. So we have quite a few different countries that have ownership interest of acres here in Kansas. Now, to kind of put a caveat to that, a lot of those acres were were acquired years and years ago. You know, some of them even before that 1978 Agricultural Foreign Disclosure Act. So it gives the best information available if somebody is really trying to study, you know, such lawmakers, study what's going on in their own state. The problem, again, is that the way the act is right now, it doesn't give good information as to if it's an energy lease or agriculture production. And so right now, there's actually an opportunity that that form is being updated and that the public can comment on that form between now and the middle of February to try to revamp the system and make sure we're getting the best information possible to have a better handle on what actual foreign ownership is in each state and even down to the county level. Well, I'm glad to hear that it's something that we're talking about in the upcoming Farm Bill as we eagerly await that from our legislature. And you mentioned the public having a say in these things, and I think that's really something that we should dive into and talk about. How can our farmers listening to this podcast, our Kansans, agriculturalists get involved in this conversation? Is there a seat for them at the table? 
I would definitely encourage producers if they're passionate about this issue or have firsthand experience with this issue to reach out both to their local and their national legislators. So the local legislators, as I said here in the state of Kansas, there is that conversation happening right now on what we might do at the state level to limit adversarial countries or all countries, period in owning agricultural land here in the state of Kansas. So there's some passionate voices on both sides of the issue. Um, As I talked about earlier, there's a number of farm organizations that are not in support of this issue just because it does take some of the buying power out of the land market, really limiting it and what that might do to land values going forward. It you know could have the potential to decrease land values if certain buyers are not allowed access to the market. In addition to that, as I said, at the national level, this conversation is also occurring. So there was a hearing of few months ago with the Senate Ag Committee discussing that a feeder reporting system, discussing the issues that are going on in the different states across the U.S. And, you know, as I talked about North Dakota, Texas, and Oklahoma having some issues too, just what are the situations and why we need to get ahead of this issue. So I would say, you know, as a producer, as a farmer, go ahead and talk to your Farm organizations, talk to your legislators about this issue, get their take on it, and, you know, your voice could likely influence how some of these bills move forward. Excellent. Well, we are really glad to hear that. And I have greatly enjoyed this conversation and learned a bit more about Kansas foreign holdings and and foreign ownership as a whole. I would like to ask if there's anything you would like to add for our listeners on the Farm Talks podcast that you would love for them to know about. I think I would just close and say that, you know, everybody involved in agriculture is affected by land values. It's really the backbone of a farm operation, you know, just being able to own land. And unfortunately, the higher land values are making farm transitions harder. As you're thinking about a beginning farmer coming into an operation, it is very difficult these days to get your foot in the door and really buy land at these prices and make it cash flow. So a lot of the questions that I get is where is this going? We've seen such big increases in land values. What are we gonna see in the next few years? And just to kind of leave you with some closing thoughts there, obviously, again, I don't have the crystal ball, but as we see farm income kind of stabilizing, not not as high as we've seen the, next, the last few years, I do think we're going to see land values starting to plateau or stabilize as well, not increasing at those really high rates that we've seen the last few years. Also, you think about interest rates increasing. This is starting to have an effect on land purchasing and having to finance it at a lot higher interest rate than you would have before. That is certainly going to also put pressure on land values to not go higher. And then finally, I think as you asked me about earlier, that non-ag investment is something to watch. As we're seeing land sales, you know, observing who's actually bidding on these. Is it out-of-state landowners looking for hunting property? Is it local farmers? Is it companies that are trying to 
diversify a portfolio for an investor. You know, these are all buyers in the land market. And I think in the next couple of years, just watching on who's bidding and how conservative they might become is going to be really interesting to see where this land market will go. Well, thank you for adding that to the conversation. I think it's something that our farmers and our agriculturalists are very interested to keep in on this conversation and see where it goes in the future. And so thank you for being a part of this episode today. And we appreciate your time and and hope you have a great rest of your day. Yes, thank you for having me. And I will say if anybody wants to see some of these resources firsthand, our website here in the Department of Agricultural Economics at Kansas State University is agmanager.info. So agmanager.info, and you can see my full report on foreign holdings of Kansas farm ground, along with a lot of detailed county-level maps of the different holdings by the different countries. Perfect. Thanks, Robin. Thanks for tuning in today on the Farm Talks podcast. For the top ag news in the four-state area, you can find a copy of Farm Talk newspaper in your mailbox at a newsstand or online at farmtalknews.com. Thanks for listening.